people. Welcome back to the podcast from our radio show here at Bobo 89.1 FM. I'm Bella Rooney, your host, and today we are chatting with a bestie of mine, Cass McDowell, and we're going to talk about mangroves from the Mangrove Action Project. So, hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing today? Today is, so far, been great. It's nice, a little overcast, not too hot outside. Exactly. She brought me some beautiful cupcakes. I'm really sorry I can't share them. Anyway, Cass is the Education and Programs Manager for the Mangrove Action Project. Originally from the BRAC, Cass has quite a background in all things conservation, from working with CCMI and the Blue Guana Conservation Program. Her love of all things nature and all things Cayman is evident. So let's start by getting to know her a little bit better. So tell us a bit about yourself. How'd you end up with the Rangers and what are your environmental passions? Yeah, so um, a bit about myself and my environmental background. Oh, do you have like three hours? to talk about this. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so like you said, I've uh, worked a lot with CCMI. Uh, The job that brought me to Grand Cayman from the BRAC was actually with the National Trust for the Blue Iguana Project. I've volunteered extensively with the National Trust, Department of Environment, used to do a bit of work for Plastic Free Cayman, and just pretty much all environmental organizations here. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, we after many, many years of volunteering um, and finally getting that internship with CCMI, then the job with the trust, um, it led me to Grand Cayman. And then after COVID, Martin Keeley, our Mangrove Rangers founder, um, reached out to me. He's known me since before I was born, oh um, as he's also from the BRAC. So uh, he reached out to see what I was up to uh, during the pandemic and just if I wanted to help out with the program. And after about a year of volunteering with them, uh, Mangrove Action Project uh, received funding to uh, fund salary for me. So now I am their Educations Programs Manager. That's awesome. Do you like that job? I do. It's really fun. Yeah, good. Okay, great. So. Since 1970, we have lost an astonishing 3,900 acres of stunning mangrove ecosystem. And now that, now, now that, that all we have left is under, it's under serious threat. So can you tell us a bit more about the uh, Mangrove Action Project and how did it begin for you guys? Yeah, so um, really we're going to talk a little bit about Mangrove Rangers. Mangrove Action Project really is sort of our umbrella mm-hmm. uh, nonprofit. So here locally in the Cayman Islands, uh, there is the Mangrove Education Project. Pretty similar, <laughs> but <laughs> lots of them. Yes, there's lots. Uh, luckily, we have lots of people um, that do care. And locally, the Mangrove Education Project, which the Mangrove Rangers operate under, uh, started, I believe, in 2001, mm-hmm. um, teaching and developing curriculums to implement in schools here mm. to teach kids the importance of mangroves. And like you said, we've lost an astonishing amount of mangroves here. So it is very important that the kids we're talking to and the people we're speaking to understand the threats that they're facing and some of the ways that they can prevent more mangrove loss. Because since the 80s, um, we have lost over 70% of our mangrove wetlands on the west side of the island. So huge loss. um, And like I said, our education program has been in place for almost 22 years, and we're still seeing that crazy mangrove loss. So we are still definitely working on a lot of public outreach, making sure people actually see the benefits of all these mangroves and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So why are the mangroves such a vital part of life here in Cayman and all the islands, really? Yeah, so mangroves are found in most tropical countries all around the world. There's about 70 different species, but here in Cayman, we only have three Mm -hmm. um, with buttonwoods, but they're kind of like cousins, so we don't really count those. Um, 
But yeah, so the benefits of mangroves here in Cayman, the top one um, for people really is storm protection. Mm -hmm. So anyone that lives along the shoreline, on a canal, stuff like Mm -hmm. that, mangroves do an amazing job at um, reducing that impact of storm surge and waves because it removes a lot of the energy from the waves as a first line of defense. Right, right. That makes perfect sense. And I mean, we're always cutting those down on long waterfronts, aren't we? <laughs> it doesn't yeah. make much sense. Yeah, and it's it's kind of, if you think more into it, it makes a little more sense why it would be productive to keep them versus, I know a lot of people think mangroves equals mosquitoes, mm-hmm. um, which uh-huh. tends to be true here, but if you ever took a walk out into our central mangrove wetlands, I have very rarely been attacked by mosquitoes. <laughs> I get attacked more at my house where we used to have mangroves than where the central mangroves are. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so trying to get that negative notion away from them mm-hmm. and talking more about their carbon sequestering abilities and mm-hmm. their habitats and homes for different creatures, um, especially here in Cayman, we have such a large fisheries population um, and the mangroves are direct support to that industry um, because a lot of the bait fish and small little fish, lots of snappers, barracudas, all that stuff, their beginning stages of life is actually in the mangroves. So the more mangroves we remove, the less little baby fish, uh, less homes for little baby fish. So Of course, and it has a big impact. It's also the home for all of our avian species, too. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Huge home for birds. Um, here in Cayman, we were actually in a direct migratory path um, from a lot of the birds from North America heading to South America for the winter. And actually, just a couple weeks ago, they had one of their largest migration um, sightings here in Cayman. So wow. I know the Cayman birding people were super excited, and a lot of those species they saw nesting and hanging out in the mangroves until they were ready to move on to South America. Oh my God, that's incredible. So you don't realize so much is going on when you look at a bush of mangroves, right? you know? Yeah. So how many types of mangroves do we actually have on island? I know you mentioned three and then did the not buttonwood, count buttonwood. Yeah. <laughs> or a little buttonwood. Um, and why are they all so different? What makes them so different? Yeah, so here we have the most famous and just sort of, you look at that tree and you're like, that is a mangrove. I know that is our red mangroves. Mm-hmm. Those guys have the big prop roots, okay. um, the big... Those spidery web ah, legs, yeah. Cool. Um, so we kind of refer to them as prop and drop roots because they drop <laughs> down from the tree and then prop back up. Oh, I see. Um, then those guys are the closest to the shoreline or the waterline. Then moving up closer into shore, we have black mangroves, which have all those little snorkel roots sticking up around the bottom of the tree. And then we also have our white mangroves, mm-hmm. which usually look kind of just like trees. Mm-hmm. They don't really have any standout features that you're like... I think that's mangrove. And even when I started working, white mangroves fooled me many times. Okay, so one thing I always wonder whenever I look at them just chilling out in the water there is how do their roots survive in the salt water? It's quite fascinating because... You know, we would dry up, but what do they do? Yeah, and that's sort of my top question with the kids because mm. we really like to emphasize their adaptations and their abilities to adapt. Um, and I always ask them, if you watered your garden at home with salt water, would the plants live or would they die? And everybody's like, they would die. <laughs> so um, some of the really cool adaptations of mangroves, they have developed these 
like ways and even little physical features that allow them to either become salt tolerant, salt resistant, or salt excretors. Mm. So each mangrove kind of falls into different categories. So like our red mangroves, they're salt tolerant and they are salt um, excluders kind Mm of. Um, they, in their roots, they have these little things called lenticles. Lenticles. And, yeah. <laughs> the mangrove words are always great. The kids always ask me how to spell them. <laughs> sometimes I get it, sometimes I don't. Gotta write it down. But these lenticles are little valves on their roots, mm-hmm. and they have the ability to filter that water. So when the roots suck up the salt water, they absorb all the water. And the reds are able to say, no, we don't want the salt, we just want the water. With the blacks, they also have lenticles on their little snorkel roots. Um, The fancy word for the snorkel roots Mm -hmm. are pneumatophores. It starts with a P, Mm -hmm. not an N. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, so a little tricky there, but... um, These guys, the blacks, are salt excluders. So So they... None at all. Sorry. Backwards. Reds are salt excluders. Blacks are salt extruders. Extrude. So they... So the reds keep the salt out. The blacks let the salt in, but then they push it out in different ways. And that's that famous salty mangrove leaf that every kid on a field trip wants to lick. Their favorite part every day when the kids go back to their parents after the field trip, they're like, Mom, we got to lick leaves. Yay. Yeah. So those black mangroves, like the red mangroves have the lenticles in their roots that keep the salt out. The blacks absorb it, then push the salt out. They also do that through their leaves. So that's why the black leaves are saltier than... The red ones, the red ones have a pretty waxy coating to prevent that salt from interfering with the leaves. Okay. Okay. Because, of course, um, after Ian, I don't, I'm sure many people saw how many trees were dead <laughs> just along the side of the coast. So mangroves are adapted for that exact purpose. Yeah, exactly. So That's they're so they're cool. pretty hardy. They can take that salt. And also, one cool thing about the blacks, they have those snorkel roots, right, mm-hmm. that stick up out of the ground. Um, With changing weather, so excess rain, stuff like that, um, these guys are able to adapt to live not only in salty and brackish waters, but also fresh water for short periods of time. Because if you think about a lot of rainfall, they're then on the surface of the water because that fresh water is less dense. It stays up at the surface. So they need to be able to compensate for that. And especially with sea level rise, even though it's pretty small right now, but we're seeing it increase, we are noticing that the pneumatophores on the black mangroves, they are actually growing at a rate equal to estimated sea level rise. That's incredible. So whether the trees are just adapting as they go or if they actually realize Mm -hmm. the sea level increase and are offsetting that with their growth, it's pretty cool. That's unbelievable. (laughs) There's so much going on there. So this is... We get, this this is one of the most important things, really, in our <laughs> island. We have to protect them. What are some of the threats that are being posed to the mangroves, then? So the biggest threat that we are currently seeing here, especially on Grand Cayman, not so much the Sister Islands as okay. yet, but the Sister Islands does have a much smaller mangrove population. And here, our largest threat right now is development. Um, not even necessarily development, but just removal. Oh, I guess all of it's gone on the West. So where is that gone? A big, a big majority of it. So um, a lot of subdivisions on canals, um, really pretty much the entire West side. We say 70% has been removed over 70%, but really when you look at it, the whole West side was mangroves. The whole 
eastern side of that West Bay Peninsula mm-hmm. would have been mangroves. Um, and if we look at the Cayman Islands in the 80s, right, mm-hmm. we needed that development. There wasn't much here. We needed the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the Cayman Islands or Grand Cayman in 2022, mm-hmm. we're seeing it sort of become excessive and becoming almost prioritizing monetary gain over the safety of living here. <laughs> when, when we talk about storm surge and stuff like that. Exactly, like insurance purpose, all those things. Mm-hmm. Oh, good goodness me. Okay, so, well then, I know that there is talk of an, uh, a possible arterial road, east-west arterial road. What are your thoughts on that? Because that's going to go straight through, I guess, the other side of all the untouched so far mangroves. Yeah, so um, we actually have in between Bodentown and Northside, um, if you've ever flown over to the Sister Islands, this is directly, if you take off to the east, right where your plane would fly over. Um, So it borders the North Sound. It is called Central Mangrove Wetlands. Mm -hmm. And this is actually the largest contiguous mangrove forest in the entire Caribbean. Oh my, (gasps) Yeah. really? And not many people know that. Like we have one of the largest mangrove forests in the Caribbean, the largest contiguous one. Like it's kind of a big deal in the conservation environmental world. And this is home to so many creatures, like I said, native, migratory, all that. Um, It also accounts for significant amount of the rainfall in the west side. So daily, it promotes about 40 million gallons of rainfall on the west side. So we might not see it every day, but with through transpiration, evaporation, all that good stuff, when the clouds, prevailing winds are usually east-west in Grand Cayman, so when they pass over the central mangroves, they get all nice and mm-hmm. rainy. Mm-hmm. They travel over the sound, become unstable. As soon as they hit West Bay in town, they dump their rain. So that's why we see more rainfall in the western districts and east end and stuff like that. But yeah, like you said, these central mangroves um, is unfortunately the area that they have the proposed east-west arterial mm-hmm. road going straight through. Um, their current proposal for the road would remove approximately 174 acres of untouched mangrove wetland mm-hmm. and also cut off the trailhead to the Mastic Trail. Oh. So, um, yeah, oh. that is definitely something that we are working to um have them change. We're not completely against the road. We want to make sure people know that, that we understand there is a need for development in certain areas and to make things easier, like sitting in traffic for two hours in the morning is not fun for anybody. And we completely get that. But removing so much untouched wetland and nature and then having a road the way they have proposed it now opens up the adjacent land for potential development. Um, Because what is now um, road that is, isn't is very accessible because there's no roads, this road would make it accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have actually proposed an elevated road, so like a That's bridge. That's what I was thinking. Like yeah. they do in the Keys in Florida exactly. and in Louisiana and stuff like that. Um, so we'll see if that ever gets any traction mm-hmm. uh, with the proposed developers. But um, yeah, there are different ways to do this that would have a much more minimal impact to the wildlife and island. Well, then that's ideal, especially since it's one of the largest in the Caribbean and we just really shouldn't mess with it if it, you know, operates our weather kind of somehow. It's so influential in the way our island works naturally. That's that's definitely something that hopefully will get considered. Mm -hmm. So not only does it play a, a role on our island, but climate 
our climate change as a whole and how our how our planet is going through this interesting phase right now. So mangroves play a role in climate change and due to something called blue carbon. So mangroves are blue are a blue carbon sink and they capture carbon from the atmosphere and hold it inside or underneath them in the mud. So if you could tell us a bit more about actually this amazing process and and why do we have to protect these carbon sinks? Yeah, so um, currently the Mangrove Education Project is transitioning to the Coastal Lagoon Project, um, okay. which, so not only are we going to be talking and teaching about mangroves, but we're also going to be including coral reefs and seagrasses. Mm-hmm. So all of these three ecosystems work cohesively as the Coastal Lagoon um, environment to promote, like you said, storing mm-hmm. carbon, obviously habitat, storm protection, all this good stuff. Mm-hmm. But when we're talking about carbon sinks, and mangrove forests, they are actually one of the most productive ecosystems and forests mm-hmm. in the entire world. Yeah. Wow. So mangroves all over are actually way more efficient at star- storing carbon, not just in their living biomass, so not just like in the trees and the leaves, mm-hmm. but mangroves are special because like you said, they store it in the mud and mm-hmm. peat and dirt. So um, they are over 10 times more productive than uh, tropical rainforests in storing carbon. So yeah, everybody, there's always the big hype, oh, save the Amazon, which is great and needs to be done. Yeah, But mangroves are just as important (gasps) and way better (laughs) at storing that carbon. Wow. And that is mainly because they store it underground. Mm -hmm. So one cool thing about mangrove forests is even if, for example, it's unlikely because they live in water, but the blacks and the whites, Um, If there was a forest fire, for example, and we lost 20 acres of mangrove trees, Mm -hmm. we would be losing a lot of carbon storage. But the majority, about 80 Mm percent, is still underground. Wow. So really the only way to lose that carbon storage and release the carbon that is being stored is digging it up. And developing it. And developing it. And because if you're going to build on mangrove wetland, it's all mud and muck. You have to add some sort of stable substrate yeah so normally they'll dig up they'll remove the trees dig up the ground mix the soil with marl or other sandy materials Mm. then build on top so not only are we removing those mangrove trees but we are also releasing their stored carbon up into the atmosphere again but a problem luckily um uh came an international school along Mm -hmm. with the national trust Excuse me. And also some of hopefully our rangers coming up. We will be doing some carbon sequestering research. Mm -hmm. And Kathy Childs and Fred Burton, they have both done some uh, carbon sequestering type fun sciencey things to sort of determine how much carbon our mangroves, especially in the central mangroves, are able to store and sequester. So that in turn will then give us a better idea how much carbon those mangroves are actually storing mm-hmm. and how important they are to keep because of that carbon offsetting ability. Of course, and that also turns into um, economic, uh, that goes down economic lanes because then you have blue carbon and, and blue currency, right? Yeah, exactly. And. That is something that I think a couple of people here on island are working on, is trying to <clears throat> sorry, okay. um, establish we already have a monetary value for carbon, right? Mm-hmm. So being able to relate that to mangrove wetlands and their abilities to store carbon and how much carbon they're actually storing, they will then be able to put a monetary value wow. on that as land. Wow. So you could 
offset your carbon emissions by protecting this much mangrove land because it is storing this much and has the ability to store this much carbon. Wow. So that's a really cool aspect as well to put it in sort of a financial sort of aspect and mindset. Well, there's mindset. so many aspects you could look at this, right? It's a total environmental issue and it can be looked at from any angle and mangroves, you just don't even realize this is going on when you look at them, you know, that they're so vital. Okay, <clears throat> so what are the long-term goals for for this project? I mean, all the projects, you have so many. What are the long-term yeah. goals for all of them? Yeah, so the Rangers has really only been um, established for the past two, three, maybe four years mm -hmm. now. Um, and we are definitely very focused on public outreach, getting people involved. Mm -hmm. We do mangrove ranger training events usually twice a year mm -hmm. um, for anybody who's interested in becoming an actual mangrove ranger. Mm -hmm. um, we don't quite have ranger uniforms yet, that's but everybody, that's always what they ask. Do we get a uniform? Aww. Do we get a badge? I'm like, maybe in the future, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, so just our main focus with the Rangers is educating people, um, having people aware of what's going on, what they can do to lessen the impacts. Um, also, we are hoping to be able to facilitate um, a mangrove reporting mm. site um, oh, okay. or app. Um, sort of similar to like the Blue Iguana Conservation app, the Iguana, which mm -hmm. is like, I love that app. That's I'm like, Luke, can I please borrow it for mangroves? <laughs> idea. Yeah, who made that? Because I need their help. But um, for citizens, everybody to be able to report mangrove destruction or loss or whether it be um, human initiated or natural disaster type. Mm -hmm. um, so all across the board, anybody who witnesses a mangrove that's sick maybe looking or mm -hmm. people tearing it down, people not following the trimming guidelines, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Trimming guidelines. Yes, trimming guidelines. Wow. Yeah. So there are a lot of laws in place um, with how you are supposed to handle trimming mangroves on your property, stuff like that. So we're hoping that some we would have a site like that exactly. that we can um, advertise those trimming guidelines, what mm -hmm. you can and can't do um, as a property owner, what your responsibilities are. Um, but yeah, so Mangrove Rangers will hopefully become a good little community outreach group. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also have the Junior Rangers. I was about to say, so what, 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 so I know a lot of people who have talked to me about wanting to sign up for that. What can they really expect from that? Like, Yeah, so um, it's still definitely in the very beginning stages, mm -hmm. um, but we have received some funding actually this week. It is oh. coming through, very exciting. Yay, thank you, thank you. Um, exactly, yeah. So um, we will be hopefully launching the official program maybe in the winter or early spring next year oh, um, we already have some recruits we have about 20 junior rangers 20? yeah great. that have done the training they are ready to go as soon as we officially launch it um, but it's gonna be similar to like a Boy Scouts Girl Guides type class or club um, where kids will learn all about mangroves we'll go and do our field trip um, for them to see them in person all that good stuff and then we will move into fun field trips and badge earning and wow. All stuff, all sorts of stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, yeah, so we'll have like bird ID badges and mangrove restoration badges and bug ID, insect ID, um, and then we'll also be doing lots of snorkeling field trips and kayaking through the mangroves and mm -hmm. maybe integrating some coral reefs and seagrasses in there too. That's incredible. That's so incredible because it's going to be so good to start getting kids, you know, phones are great, tablets are great, but it's going to be so, it's so important now to start getting everybody out there and 
you know, a part of our nature again and ever get everybody reconnected because now's the time because things are just going, you know, in a positive way, but, you know. <laughs> so, okay, lastly, I have a question for you. What is the coolest fact about mangroves that you don't think many people would know? Hmm. Coolest fact and I about didn't warn mangroves. you ahead of time. So. No. <laughs> Um, so I don't know if this is actually scientifically factual, <laughs> okay. but I have heard it from many reputable sources, so I'm going to go with it. It is. Uh, mangrove trees give live birth, in a, in a sense. What? <laughs> yes. So uh, specifically the red mangrove trees. Um, and these guys actually, when they flower, um, they... I should have brought one. Dang it. Um <laughs> They flower and then they start this little brown polypy thing that starts to grow out of the flower if pollinated. And this little brown polyp then turns into what is called a propagule. Okay. And they sort of look like pencils with little brown knobs on the end. Oh, yes, I've seen those. Yeah, they hang down from the red mangroves. Mm-hmm. They're green, very pointy on the end. Mm-hmm. They have little bumps on them. Those are actually lenticles. <laughs> um, but these guys, <laughs> yeah, once mature, will drop off of the tree. Usually on coastal mangroves, they'll fall into the water. These guys can float around for up to a year. Um, just finding a nice comfy spot to uh, then root and they drop down into the mud or into the water wherever they might be and then that propagule will sprout roots and then become established in the soil and then just start growing leaves at the top so really like a mangrove tree, if you picked a propagule and put it in some soil, and they're very, very difficult to grow, and restoration oh. efforts are usually only about 5% successful. So it's very important that we don't have the mindset of, oh, we can cut it down and just regrow it, because no. that's not very likely to happen. No. Um, but yeah, restoration efforts actually harvest these propagules and then plant them. So. That's incredible, because I know I've seen a few restoration attempts along South Sound several times. Mm-hmm. That yeah. Sucks. Yeah. So they're very difficult to grow, and yeah. it's just because the nature of where they do grow, right? Yeah. The reds specifically. Very um, adapted, right? Yeah. There's currents, wave action, stuff like that they need to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, any sort of erosion, which mangroves prevent erosion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of counterintuitive, but yes, they are pretty cool little trees, and even still, I'm learning stuff about them that I'm like. How does a tree do that? Like, no how do they walk along the shoreline? And like, it's it's crazy. They're really cool. And They're, yeah, so yeah. definitely have to learn more about that and do that by becoming a ranger or a junior ranger. Yeah, right? becoming a ranger. And also, one thing I'm hoping to launch um, is guided tours. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to become a ranger. You don't have to do anything official. You just take a tour like you would of the Crystal Caves mm-hmm. or even Stingray City or something like that, but through the Central Mangroves with a ranger, with myself or Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can learn all the cool things that the school kids learn, but on the fun part and not the sit in the classroom, watch presentation part. Exactly, because um, this is an environmental, another environmental attraction, and it should be, mm-hmm. really, not in the attraction way of polluting it and everything like that, but an attraction way of much like the crystal caves are natural beauty that we have on our island. Right? Yeah, and that's the one really cool thing about the central mangroves. I love going in there because every time you're guaranteed some sort of cool bird, whether it's yeah. a kingfisher or yellow warblers, like we had our junior rangers last week, and I think we had maybe 20 little yellow warblers that were just wow. hanging out, swooping down. We see woodpeckers all the time, bunch of racer snakes. 
unfortunately for my too many crabs for my liking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> but yep. th- they live there. I respect that. That's their house. I'm coming in, so it's all good. But yeah, we see so much cool wildlife in there. Amazing. Okay, so where can people go to follow for updates or contact you? Yeah, so um, we are on Instagram and Facebook, the Mangrove Rangers or Mangrove Rangers KY. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pretty much if you type in Mangrove Rangers Cayman Islands, you're going to find all of our social media, um, okay. our website. We're also on YouTube where we have um, some videos that kind of showcase what we do with our school groups, our ranger trainings, our art festivals that we've hosted over mm-hmm. the past two years. Mm-hmm. So we have some cool little video resources and lots more to come. Uh, but yeah, uh, mainly our Instagram and Facebook would be the first line of line of fire to get in touch. yeah exactly okay great well i'll link all of those down below so do you have anything else you want to say or is that it i think that's it we talked all about why yeah. mangroves are important and all yeah. the the key fun facts but yeah if anybody wants to know more or get involved or anything like that definitely check the links below and mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming in today to talk to us Thanks about this for having me. vital part of our Caymanian ecosystem. Honestly, ugh, I need to learn more about it because I feel like I've just had my mind slightly blown. So I'm going to be joining you. <laughs> yeah. And there's a whole heritage aspect that we didn't even touch on. What? For, yeah, Caymanian heritage and the mangroves and the red mangroves and using them for dye and all that stuff. But oh my goodness, maybe gonna, another episode. We're going to have to have you back on and talk all about that. Okay, well, next time you look at a mangrove, give it a big old thank you and maybe join the Rangers in their efforts to give back a little bit of what they give to us. And thank you again to DMS Broadcasting and Bobo 89.1 and to our silent sponsors and my pal Ryan Kirkaldi from Retrospect Media for capturing all this excitement. And check out our new filmed episodes over on our YouTube. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Protecting Paradise KY. And remember that you can't care unless you know. So thanks for joining us today. And remember, we're always open to your opinion for topic suggestions. So don't be shy and we'll see you next week. Toodles!